On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, part two of our three-part series entitled The Pioneers. Welcome to episode 42 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. Time to take another trip down memory lane as we look back at the Pioneer League's days in Alberta. Last time around, we reminisced about the Lethbridge Expos, the first team to arrive in 1975. That season hadn't even started yet when league officials started sniffing around at possible expansion locations. The one thing getting in the way was that with a 14 league, they wanted it to grow in even numbers, so they needed to find two suitable locations. The three spots identified early on were Butte, Montana, Calgary, and Medicine Hat. All three seemed to be at different stages of readiness when the league came through, so adding to the league in 1976 didn't happen. But ahead of the 77 campaign, two cities stood out above the rest, and they were the two Alberta contingents. In this episode of the podcast, we'll focus in on Medicine Hat. It was a little touch-and-go, to be honest, after it was announced the Oakland A's would be moving their affiliate from Boise, Idaho, to southeastern Alberta. The city was embroiled in what was described as a fiasco, surrounding renovations at Athletic Park, including going massively over budget. Then the A's put in a deadline to get things done a few weeks before the season started, and Mother Nature didn't help. Massive rainfalls forced crews to install sod instead of planting grass seed, and the infield was all dirt. Believe it or not, it actually stayed that way for a few seasons. But on June 25, 1977, the Medicine Hat A's made their professional debut, knocking off the Billings Mustangs 3-1. We wrote about that game in detail a couple of years ago, and you can go to albertadugoutstories.com for more on the one season of A's baseball in Medicine Hat. For a guest this week, we turn to a man who needs no introduction. Bob Ridley is the Hall of Fame voice of the Western Hockey League's Medicine Hat Tigers. He's broadcast all but one game for the Tabbies since their inception in 1970. What many people may not know is that he was the play-by-play voice for about eight seasons with the A's, then later the Blue Jays. Not only that, just like he did with the Tigers, he also drove the team bus as well. I chatted with Rids about his memories of the Pioneer League, some of the good times, and also some of the learning curves he encountered. Everybody talks about you and your hockey, but uh, a lot of people don't realize that back in the, the mid-70s, early 80s, you were also a pretty big voice on the baseball scene. Talk us through your involvement with first the Medicine Hat A's in 1977, and then after that, uh, the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. Yeah, it was a r- real pleasant time for me. It, uh, Hockey's always been, of course, the, the number one thing that I've been involved in. But uh, uh, broadcasting baseball was another thing that uh, kind of a change of pace, you might say, Joe, and uh, kept me busy throughout the several months. It became too much, so it was uh, like you got to remember the Pioneer Baseball League back at that time. It was a 72-game schedule, and you played those 72 games in two months. So you only had one day off, and that was for the All-Star break. So you jump right into baseball, right into hockey, and then right from hockey back into baseball again. And it just became a little bit too much. So 
I took hockey instead, and that gave me the summers off. But I have to admit that I just loved uh, broadcasting uh, uh, Baby J Baseball here in Medicine. It gave us a, a real good thought and uh, a real good feel as to what Major League Baseball is all about. Uh, Pat Gillick, he was the uh, general manager of uh, the uh, big club at the time. He'd come passing through here periodically to check out his prospects and so on. And it really made us feel part of what the Blue Jays were all about. So it was a great time, and uh, I'll always remember my time with the Medicine Blue Jays. Take us back to those initial days. I mean, the Pioneer League was still uh, in its infancy, at least here in this province, when it comes to Lethbridge had a team at the time. Medicine Hat and Calgary were getting involved. I mean, there had to have been a lot of road trips, and I know you were involved as you were uh, the bus driver as well. Yeah, I drove the bus as well for them, and uh, there was a lot of long nights, Joe. I'll tell you (laughs) one thing, when you're going to Idaho Falls and down to Billings and uh, so on, and it was... uh, a lot of long nights, but uh, some great baseball that we saw. Uh, back in the earlier days when the uh, Blue Jays were involved, the Medicine Blue Jays, uh, uh, we had uh, Toronto drafting a lot of players out of the uh, South America. And uh, consequently, uh, they came straight from South America here to Medicine Hat. And uh, then uh, the coaches here would have to take over and slowly try to teach them the Indian game or the uh, North American game, but also English. And most of them had no idea what English was all about. It that was very very tough. But later, they uh, they still drafted a lot of players uh, coming out of the uh, Dominican Republic and Venezuela and so on. But they would uh, bring them to a kind of a halfway place, and they play some uh, baseball in uh, Florida before they were shipped up to Medicine Hat. Uh, taught them a little bit of English. Taught them a little bit of what uh, our lifestyle was all about, and it made it a lot easier for the Blue Jays at that time. So it was an interesting time, and it was kind of a growing time for the Blue Jay organization as well. That had to have been uh, real interesting to watch as someone who is completely uh, cold to the idea of being anywhere outside of home. I know hearing Lloyd Mosby even tell his story of coming from the Oakland area all the way up to Medicine Hat. Oh, my goodness. Yo, uh, you flew a helicopter into Calgary uh, to pick me up, and I'm like, <laughs> you got to remember, I'm, I'm coming from Oakland, California. I've never been out of there, never been out of there, even though I'm from Portland. Uh, Arkansas. I had never been out of Oakland ever, and so to get a uh, have somebody send a helicopter for me and 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 uh, <laughs> and tell you, just it was unbelievable. But my greatest memory, I'm staying at the Assiniboia Inn, which was a, a place in, in in Medicine Hat that that, that is go down in, in in history. Anyway, I look out my window, I hear some noise. There was people with cows and horses. In the parade, I'm, what the hell? And that, that was a culture shock, without a doubt. Uh, John McLaren, uh, which was a, uh, uh, he was my manager and, and today is one of my greatest friends in the world, um, had to settle me down. I didn't know where I was. I, I, I didn't understand. What the heck? Um, so that was a, one of my uh, fun moments, and John still kid me about that because that was, uh, it was shocking to look out my window and see cows and horses going down the middle of the street. And it had to have been interesting from your standpoint is to watch some of these young men get uh, thrown into it uh, feet first. Well, you know, Sammy Joe, they were actually scared. As soon as they got off the bus here in Medicine Hat, you could see in their eyes, and what is this? Where are we? You know, like in South America, they're 
that's surrounded by jungle and everything else. And even in some places in the States, like you said, it's, it's a different type of a climate. And then you're tossed into Medicine Hat, and you know what some of our summers can be. They can be very, very hot or sometimes very, very cold. And uh, it, it was an awful, awful uh, uh, lifestyle change for these uh, young guys. And, like, a lot of these guys are drafted. They're only 17, 18, 19 years old. So they had no idea what to expect. And, uh, actually, Medicine Hat did a real good job. We had some good people that would – uh, take them under the wing as billets and so on, and uh, uh, teach them life skills of uh, what uh, life in medicine that was all about. And uh, it uh, actually worked out pretty well. But boy, those first couple of three years, it was uh, really tough on those kids for sure. Probably really similar to the junior hockey circuit that way in terms of really giving kids that first dose of adulthood. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. And uh, you know, back then, of course, it uh, was like nowadays. Uh, these kids have got they've uh, got all the, their telephones and everything else, and their iPhones, and they've got a good feel as to what it's all about. But back then, there was no such thing, so it was uh, a big learning curve for them. Let's put it that way. I was going to ask about those road trips. I mean, when you're not sitting there with a phone in hand, uh, walk us through some of those long trips down Idaho Falls and those other places, and what were some of the kids usually doing while you were sitting behind the wheel? Well, basically, uh, even then, we had VCRs on the bus and so on, so they'd watch a lot of movies. That, but, you know, some of these are just like hockey players. Uh, they sleep a lot. Uh, when you're playing uh, 72 games in, uh, you know, 73 days, it's a tiring thing. They're at the ballpark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for batting practice. Then they play the game. Then they uh, go back to wherever, the hotel or maybe the billets or whatever, and then they're right back at the ballpark again. And there's not a lot of downtime. So uh, these guys, much like the hockey players uh, nowadays, uh, you know, they, they sleep a lot. They slept a lot, a lot on the bus, and there was never any problem that way. I'm curious, when you look back on your time, not just with the team, but obviously being uh, front and center in the Medicine Hat sports scene, you got to watch a a little bit of ball as well and cover it. Any names that you look back on and go, man, they were good ball players here, or some who maybe you were just, uh, you were kind of drawn to because they had the great personalities? Well, you know, it it was a combination of both. Uh, You became uh, friends with a lot of them, and a lot of the uh, uh, Blue Jay management that would come through here their pitching coaches and everything else just to you know check out the kids but to some of the players you mentioned one and lloyd mosby he was just one of the funniest guys he had his own cards uh made up and he'd be walking around medicine hat uh, uh going into the hotels and everything else handing out cards uh, uh to come and watch the ball game watch him play and all that kind of stuff he was a very unique personality and just a Wonderful guy to be around and uh, always had a smile on his face. He made everybody else smile as well. And, and, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, just a marvelous thing to watch him develop as a ball player. And you mentioned also Jimmy Key. Uh, He was an outstanding pitcher, went on and uh, did some great things. Pat Borders and the list goes on and on. So, uh, you know, in those uh, years that we had the Blue Jays here, made a lot of good friends, watched a lot of good baseball too. And especially these kids, uh, just coming out of high school, basically, and developing. And, boy, they really learned a lot, learned very quickly in the short two months that they were, that they were here.
One of the unique things about Medicine Hat is that it, with whether it's Calgary, Lethbridge, even Edmonton, when they had minor league affiliates, they seem to bounce between different organizations. Medicine Hat had, outside of the one year with Oakland in 1977, they were able to stick with the Toronto Blue Jays the whole time. What made that relationship work and what made that city work in your eyes? You know, that's, uh, that's a good question, Joe. I never really thought of it, but uh, I know there was a, uh, the, the people in Toronto were very, very pleased with the fact that Medicine Hat uh, had a real strong connection with them. And uh, probably uh, the, the biggest connection was the owner, Bill Yule. Uh, Bill was a guy that uh, made it all happen. Uh, both him and Larry Plant uh, brought the, that uh, particular Piner Baseball League franchise to Medicine Hat, first the A's and then the Blue Jays, and uh, they never left. It was just a very workable relationship, and us being in Canada, Toronto being in Canada, I think it was a real good fit. And uh, I certainly have to uh, pat Bill Yule on the back for, you know, his devotion to uh, good baseball here in Medicine Hat. And uh, uh, without uh, his promotion and uh, uh, him with his uh, thoughts about uh, Canadian baseball, this probably wouldn't have happened. So uh, once again, Bill Yule is the guy that, there's a lot of credit. You mentioned the billets. You've mentioned the fans as well. Walk us through, especially in the in the late 70s, early 80s, there, a typical home game at Athletic Park. And what was the atmosphere like then? You know, it depended upon how, uh, how well the team was uh, doing at the time, Joe. But uh, for the most part, always positive. Uh, for the most part, uh, unless the weather was terrible, we had decent crowds and so on. And, and uh, you know, probably better crowds than uh, most of the uh, teams uh, down there in the States. So we were very, very proud of, uh, you know, just uh, how we handled uh, pro baseball. I mean, it was rookie league baseball, but still pro. These kids are getting paid and everything else. So, But a typical day, well, they came to the ballpark at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon for batting practice, and the game would start about 7.05 at night, and uh, uh, we'd uh, go through the the process of the ball game, and, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, the uh, fans were enthusiastic, and uh, they they knew that, you know, they had to get out and support this team or else they'd lose it. And uh, for the most part, uh, for those number of years that the Blue Jays were here, there was good support. Any memories that stick out in your mind, uh, favorites or ones that make you still giggle to this day? Well, it's the way that I really felt sorry for the Latin Americans uh, coming out of the States in those earlier years. I know, uh, believe it or not, Joe, they they weren't taught a whole lot. And, uh, you know, with some of the stuff that they ate and so on, uh, uh, it just kind of made you wonder. Like a lot of the food that they bought at, say, Safeway or whatever else, that you and I just automatically cook. Sometimes uh, those (laughs) <laughs> Poor kids didn't know any different, and they just ate it raw. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, it was a little bit scary, but maybe that's what they did down there at that time. But uh, I'll tell you one thing, nobody got sick. And they seemed to thrive on it, so maybe we're doing everything wrong. I'm not sure. <laughs> Very true. Uh, final question for you, looking back on, on your time in Medicine Hat's time with the Blue Jays, what is one thing that you will always remember, one thing that will always stick with you? Well, I, I think it was just uh, the, the idea that you're involved with big league baseball. And uh, they looked at the Medicine Hat Blue Jays as a, 
an integral part of what the their organization was all about because it was rookie league ball. It was where these kids were starting, and uh, some of those kids, uh, you know, moved on and became outstanding players in Major League Baseball. And I think it was that connection with Big League Baseball that uh, made. The Medicine Hat Blue Jays very, very special in my mind, Joe. They were definitely special for a lot of people I know in that city, whether you're a billet, whether you're a fan, whether you're just someone passing through. I think there's a lot of great memories of the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. And, Bob, you were a part of those memories, I think, for a lot of people as they were listening to the radio and certainly still are with what you do with the Tigers. Uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us in the podcast. Joe, thank you so much for uh, letting me be a part of the uh, Uh, which you're all about, and uh, I'm glad to see that you're doing so very well. As Rids alluded to, the community still remembers players like Lloyd Mosby, Jimmy Key, Pat Borders, Chris Carpenter, Orlando Hudson, and Eric Kratz, among many others who came through. The club stuck around until 2002 when a combination of factors led to the team moving, including a new ownership group for the Toronto Blue Jays and a relatively new ownership group in Medicine Hat who wanted to move the team to Helena, Montana. And of course, that ended up happening. It was an unceremonious way for a highly regarded team to depart after 25 seasons. But the next year, the Western Major Baseball League's Medicine Hat Mavericks were born and ended up winning the league title that season. Whether it's the new WCBL, American Legion, Little League, or any other level, baseball is still thriving in the southeast corner of the province. We want to thank Bob Ridley for coming on the podcast this week and sharing his memories of the Baby Jays. We also want to thank you for downloading and listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Podbean. If you want to listen in on another app, just drop us a line as we're more than happy to investigate other options to make your listening experience the absolute best. We'll see you next time here on Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.